0: up guys welcome back to another episode of the bleeding bng podcast episode 41 wow 41 episodes so guys We're pushing these episodes out. We're actually getting content out to you. And guys, if you're checking this out on the YouTube, make sure that you uh, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But actually check out our first ever mini vlog that we actually put out um, on the YouTube yesterday. We were actually trying to get some different type of content out to our YouTube family to show our appreciation. We actually just crossed over 100 subscribers on our YouTube page, and we're looking for big things in 2022. So first, I want to wish you guys a happy new year, but I do want to remind you guys to be sure to check out that mini-vlog. That mini-vlog is just me taking you on a journey because I um, I actually got granted the opportunity to kick a field goal at halftime of the philadelphia eagles and the washington football team game and i actually won the field goal competition um so i'm not going to go ahead and tell well yeah let me go ahead and drop that for my podcast fam actually if you guys don't get a chance to check out the youtube I actually won the competition i actually won the competition so if you're listening to this on the podcast be over to be sure to go ahead over to the youtube page if you're watching us on youtube just go click over to that next video to see some fire content i actually won the the field goal kicking competition it was me and three other contestants and i actually won a sweet experience um, for me and 20 of my closest friends to any game of my choosing next year which is an amazing compens- compensation for something that i was just looking to have fun at i didn't expect to win i honestly didn't practice any field goals but thank you um watching the nfl for the opportunity and i really appreciate it um now to this game but um honestly guys i went into this game having low um expectations Full transparency uh, transparency with you guys. You know, we love being transparent over here at Bleeding B&G. My tickets were honestly on the marketplace. I wasn't even going to go until I was granted that opportunity uh, for the experience that I just couldn't pass up on. I wasn't even going to go because the season is pretty much meaningless at this point. And, you know, I know that we were still, you know, in playoff contention technically with about a 6% chance of making the playoffs going into the game. Well, that was out the window after this loss. So Washington loses to the Philadelphia Eagles 20-16. to 20 to 16 so to give you guys a timestamp, as we do for all of our episodes it's about noon on tuesday so sorry guys i'm getting this out about a day later than usual my um if you guys are living in the dmv you know about that snowstorm that we just had about seven to ten inches in certain areas around the dmv so my power was off for a couple of days Uh, But I wanted to get that mini-vlog content out to you first because I honestly had a lot of fun doing it, and I just wanted you guys to um, go along that journey with me because it was an amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, I'm never going to give kickers a hard time again. Never going to give kickers a hard time again because I was actually the only one to make the kick and we were actually kicking from the five yard line. So the contest is wet like you were going back in five yard increments based on how many people um, make the kick and we started at the five yard line um, and I was the only one that made it. Call me Stunner Slap. Call me Jalen Slap. We coming for Joey Sly's job over here and the crazy part about it matter of fact I'll get to the crazy part about it when we get into the game recap because it kind of ties into the game um, But yeah, Washington loses 20 to 16 and let's get into this game So as we do always um over here bleeding BNG. We're gonna go over this offense first We're gonna go over this offense first and it's not really much to talk about in this game um, This is honestly a meaningless season at this point. Um, as I just mentioned Washington was eliminated from um, playoff contention And this this game was right ra- rather lackluster. This game didn't contain many big plays. Um, and this game was actually over in about two, two hours and 50 minutes real time. I remember leaving the stadium at about 3.50 and I stayed the entire time. I wasn't trying to beat traffic or anything like that. So this game was very short. This game was very short and this game was very uneventful. Um, much like the Washington football team's last three games um, during this three-game losing streak. So let's go ahead and tap into this offensive performance. So Taylor Heineke, as we always, we start with our quarterback, Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke went 27-36 for 247 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. And while that stat line doesn't read bad, I mean, this is just another game. This game is just another sample or another show, and it just shows you that Taylor Heineke isn't your guy. He isn't your guy, and he can't be your guy, and he can't be a a 17-week starter in the NFL. Um, The lack of arm talent is still present. The lack of awareness at the line is still present. Some of the reasons I think that he has to have so many off-schedule plays and things like that is because he isn't noticing um, during his pre-snap reads and things like that blitzes. And, you know um, potential um, rushers and things like that some things that we see from the elite quarterbacks if you noticed again while the offensive line did struggle Taylor had a numerous um, of passes drop, uh, batted down and like I said that's just a physical limitation um, there's a reason why I, kn- I know guys like Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson have taken over the league but there's a reason why for the first 40 to 50 years of the NFL's existence they were looking for six five to six six foot foot quarterbacks like there's a reason why these are guys that can see over the line of scrimmage these are guys that are believed to be able to make all the throws and these are guys are still the prototype in the nfl now i know in the modern nfl you're looking for a guy to have a a, a tad bit of mobility that's why guys like josh allen who are behemoth of men are like six five six six that can run like a dare that's why they are so special but you're still looking for pocket passers. pocket passers are still um what's hot in the nfl um, with Matthew Stafford still being prominent in the NFL. I know you guys will hate to hear it, but Kirk Cousins had an amazing year being just a sole pocket passer. Um, pocket passers if they're able to excel it, that. Tom Brady still doing it at 6,763 years old. So, like, if, if, they're, if they're still doing it, like, uh, pocket passing is still where it's at, even in the modern NFL. And just Taylor Heineke isn't the guy. He isn't the guy. Um, While well, I think he only had about two or three incompletions, Um, In the first half it all came tumbling in the second half if we're being honest It all came tumbling and if you go back and look at my mini vlog, one of those incompletions I think that Taylor was trying to kill me on the play It was actually I was on the sideline and I know he claims he was throwing the ball away But I think he was trying to kill me. I think he must have heard me talking trash on the pot Like honestly, he he threw the ball right at my dome. I I, I did not like that Taylor Haneke I was about to have to go run up on the field might have to get trampled But hey, we was about to go have some words TH4 um, but back to the game. Um, but like I said, it just it just all fell downhill in the second half, and you you start to notice, and it's something that I didn't really notice early in the season, but I've noticed it over the course of you know this losing streak, or mainly be between the first Dallas game, or this four game losing streak. I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, but between the two Dallas games and this last um, Philadelphia Eagle game, is that Taylor plays very erratic and skittish. Like, yeah, it's cute when the game is, when the game is in wraps and while we're still, you know, um, in limbo, while the game is still in limbo, and while we still have a chance or while we're still within a score or maybe have the lead. But when you're trying to throw yourself into the game, it just, it just falls. It just, it just all falls through. Like, it just all falls through until Taylor. You become skittish in the pocket, especially when your offensive line isn't holding up um, like they've been all season. And I'm not going to harp too much on the offensive line. Over the past couple of weeks, they played their worst couple of games um, between, like I said, the two Dallas games and the one um, Philadelphia Eagle game, the second one. Um, and I think that does correlate to some of Taylor's poor play. But the offensive line have been doing their thing all season until they were r- ravaged with COVID and things like that. Samuel me has played what a half of the season, you know. Brandon Scherf missed the first Eagle game, um, and he missed the Dallas game. So, I mean, it's just it just is what it is with the offensive line at this point. We're down to our fourth string center with Keith Ishmael, who was getting bullied all second half. Bullied, I'm not, I, I rarely see NFL linemen getting bullied as much as Javar Hargrave and Fletcher Cox was doing that boy. Oh, my goodness, he looked like he didn't even belong on the NFL field. Um, and then you going into the game with like Sadiq Charles starting because Eric, uh, Flowers had COVID. And then Charles Leno, who's, who's been the steady, who's been the steady. Um, and while his play hasn't necessarily been great all season, it's been more than adequate. It's been more than adequate. So, I mean, I'm not going I'm not going to, it was expected with the offensive line. I mean, these guys are on their fourth and fifth, third, fourth and fifth strings at almost every position. So, I mean, I'm not going to really hold, hold, hold the fires under their ass too much. Um, but I do think that that, that, that does correlate with Taylor's, um, some of Taylor's poor play. But honestly, if we're being honest in today's modern NFL, elite quarterbacking can alleviate some of these offensive line issues. If we look at the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe, I, I believe that Joe Burrow in his second NFL season is fourth in the NFL in passing touchdowns and fifth in passing yards. And what you're not about to tell me is that this um, Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is some stalwart. I watch games. I do have an NFL Sunday ticket. I do watch more than the Washington football team. Their offensive line isn't anything spectacular. But this is a guy that can go through his figurections. This is a guy that can go through his read. And this is a guy that can make the plays. Like, that is what franchise quarterbacking looks like. That is a, a, what his elite quarterbacking looks like. And that is why the Cincinnati Bengals are the AFC North Division champions within Joe Burrow's first two years of his career. That's just something that we don't have. And I'm tired of arguing with people. I, I I hope you guys see the light. I hope you guys see the light. And this isn't the hard one Taylor because, like I said, I don't think that he played a horrible game. But zero touchdowns is unacceptable. Zero touchdowns is unacceptable. And like I told you early in the season, a lot of the lack of the red zone production is because of Taylor's lack of arm strength. He, does, he isn't capable of fitting in those tight window throws when the space is limited, when you're working in a crowd and things like that. And... The, the the issue seeing the rares head again today. Um, this past weekend, you know we we re- looked remarkable in the first half. I think we scored on every first half drive. But guess what? We had to settle for two red zone field goals because what we couldn't make the plays in the red zone. So I mean we're just not good enough. That's what that's what. These last couple of games, this is what this four-game losing streak has shown me. It's shown me that the four-game winning streak was an anomaly, and we're more like the team that had two four-game losing streaks. This has been one of the craziest seasons I've experienced as a Washington football team. Talk about ebbs and flows, roller coaster ride. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is legit insane. So, I mean, at this point, and I think that Ryan knows you're hearing him become more transparent in press conferences and things like that. You're hearing him, um, you know, not necessarily be the biggest advocate of Taylor play, Taylor's play um, during press conferences. And you're seeing him say that Kyle Allen may potentially see the field and things like that. So at this point, he knows, and I honestly think that he knows that Dan Snyder is a ticking time bomb, as we all know, and like he has to find his quarterback going into the offseason, whether that's a rookie or a a seasoned veteran, like a guy like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or some guys that are rumored to be on the trade block or potential free agents. What I just can't do is I can't do another run-of-the-mill quarterback. I can't do another Teddy Bridgewater type. I can't do another 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick type. I can't do another Case Keenum type, thinking that we had the team because it's clear that we don't. It's clear that we don't. And I just keep going back to when times were dire and when the offseason was seeming to be bleak. 2010, Donovan McNabb. 2012, RG3. Like, all like, right, there's a pattern. there There is a pattern. There's a pattern. So I'm thinking that there's a big move on the horizon. And while I honestly think that there if we end up with a top 10 draft pick, that a guy like Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral can be had. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, even if the optics aren't looking as good, you know, with the sexual harassment lawsuits between him and, the, I mean, the allegations between him and the lawsuits amongst our organization. I know the optics wouldn't look as, as pretty, but the NFL is in the business of winning football games. I hate to be as shallow as that may sound, but it's just being honest. And Deshaun Watson was an elite quarterback a top five quarterback the last time that we saw him play, um, so I mean, if if he, if he if he if he is deep the franchise savior, I would that's a move that I would be on board for. Going to the running game, Jared Patterson had twelve carries for fifty seven yards for a four point eight average and a touchdown, and he looked very good in the first half. I think he averaged five and a half yards per carry in the first half, um, and and I honestly believe that. We got away from him in the second half, and I'm not really sure why. I know we weren't having much success, um, as much success um, as we did in the first half with early down runs. But um, and you guys know, I'm a Scott Turner advocate. I think the Scott Turner is a guy that game plans based off matchup, which I love in today's modern NFL. He's not necessarily set in the scheme, which a lot of you guys in the Washington football team community has has him confused with. Um, But I I will say that he he shot away from the run game in the second half um, and I honestly don't know why. There's no way that Taylor Heineke should have been throwing the ball as much as he did in the second half. I believe he had about 25 dropbacks in the second half if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And there's no reason that was Jared Patterson producing as much as he did. Um, And just to touch back on the Scott Turner for a second. Um, one one criti- one criticism that I do have, even though you know I am an advocate for Scott, is that um, we started out strong. You know, Taylor Heineke, uh, we marched down the field on the first drive, um, resulting in the Jared Patterson touchdown. But I do think, as you guys know, or as you guys uh, may not know um a lot of offensive coordinators script their first 15 plays based off matchup based off things that they look at during the week and things like that so the first 15 plays are necessarily scripted i mean are scripted and not necessarily skirt circumstantial situational and things like that and i do believe once that scott gets um into play 16 17 and away from his script of his first 15 plays i believe that his play calling can become a little uninspired and I think that that's because he knows that he has a limited quarterback I, I'm, I'm not going to be I don't think that it's fair to judge Scott until we we give him a quarterback that, that, is, that the quarterback that he thinks can flourish in his offense uh, I think that we have straddled him with Taylor Heineke again it's a great story because they've been together for years but the physical limitations aren't going away the physical limitations aren't going away and it's just it's just it's just just clear like we need a quarterback that's going to be that's going to be the title of today's episode get me a quarterback get us a quarterback because we're not going anywhere without one um but i do think that scott got away from the running game um, not sure why Jared Patterson was looking very productive in the first half. I love the vision that he showed um, on his touchdown run with the upcut running behind Sadiq C- C- Charles' um, butt. And I think that Sadiq Charles actually looked pretty good in the run game. I think that he looked pretty good. Um, I, look, I think that he looked better in his um, run, run blocking reps than his pass blocking reps. Not sure if that has anything to do. You know, he has shorter arms for NFL linemen. Um but I do think that he was extremely promising and something to look forward to in 2022 if we do keep him. Um, maybe replacing a Brandon Scherf or potentially Eric Flowers or being another depth lineman or things like that. I don't think that Sadiq played bad and he's actually improved from his first outing um, because I think it was the Denver Barco game. Um, he was very piss poor but he's, he's improved since then. Um, to the receivers. I mean, Terry McLaurin, we were looking for him. We gave him eight uh, targets for seven receptions for 61 yards. But thus that line is still rather uninspired. And while I don't think that he was necessarily as open against Darius Slay, who was a good corner as he was against Trayvon Diggs, I do think that he could still gotten the ball in spots. I do think he was a more focal point of the game plan this week. But what is what what, what took so long? Why, like, why are we waiting four or five weeks to throw... Terry McLaurin a tunnel screen. The best player on our offense, why are we waiting four to five weeks to design plays to get him the ball? If I want anybody to run a shallow crosser, it's going to be Terry McLaurin. So why isn't he doing it? Like, I... And, and, and I don't think it's a Scott Turner issue. A lot of uh, Washington football team fans have the fire to Scott's ass about about Scott's play calling and things like that. I think, and like I said, I I do believe that the play calling was rather uninspiring this week because he knows his quarterback's limitations. He knows if he goes call some big extravagant wild thing, that his quarterback is gonna go toss that ball up. And if it wasn't more evident, it was. It was. If if it wasn't clear, it wasn't. It could have been more evident than in the play in the first quarter that he actually got bailed out on. Um, I believe by an offsides call, where he got intercepted. A, a defensive holding call. It was a defensive holding call. Um, where he got intercepted by a Philly linebacker, and he was trying to throw the ball out out of bounds, and he couldn't get it to the sideline. He couldn't get it to the sideline. If you guys couldn't see the lack of arm talent there, I get being I get being rushed, I get not being able to set your feet. An NFL quarterback is getting that ball to the sideline, but it looks like it, 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 it looks like it ends up looking like. And I'm telling you because I'm there. I'm it, it, the interception happened right in front of my face. It, Taylor was looking out of bounds. He was trying to throw that ball out of bounds. It just was incapable of getting there. And it ends up looking like he's throwing up a prayer. When he obviously is trying to make the right play, he's just physically incapable of doing it. Like, it's, 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 we need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. Cam Sims had another salad out of four receptions for 48 yards. And then, and then this brings me to the question again. It seems like I'm asking this every week. What took him so long to play? If I'm Cam, I know a lot of people, myself included, have been talking about Terry McLaurin potentially leaving after his rookie deal. Cam, Cam Sims needs to be the one to leave after after this year. I think he was a restricted free agent. I don't know how many years he has. I don't know if it was a two-year extension or things like that. But Cam Sims needs to be the one to leave because this organization continues to not do him right coaching staff after coaching staff, because this dude produces, whether it's in Jay Gruden's system, whether it's in Scott Turner's system, this guy seems to produce, but this guy seems to be getting the unfair shot between both regimes. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Whether that be Jay Gruden and then sticking him on the practice squad for his first two to three years, or whether that be him finally making the roster, even though he didn't make the active roster at the beginning of 2020, which a lot of people seem to forget. Cam was put back on the roster after an injury in week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. He didn't initially cut, uh, make the 2020 um, training camp roster. He didn't. He didn't make the roster coming out of training camp. And I'm trying to figure out why. Because this is a dude that continues to produce whenever he gets his chance. Like, whose mother did Cam, Cam Sam sleep with at this point? Like, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out. De'Ami Brown, I I will say, while he only had one catch for 25 yards, it was a beautiful uh, dig route, um, in, in route in front of Darius Slay. He exploded off the line, showing some of the release ability that I, that I believe that he had coming in, uh, out of North Carolina. And I know a lot of draft pundits, um, and a lot of draft scouts and things like that said that he didn't. But when I watched the film at North Carolina, I believe that his runoff and his releases and things like that were actually pretty good. But he was proving these draft pundits right early in the season. He was getting a lot of hands put on him. He was getting touched at the line and things like that. But I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing growth. Like I told you last week, I won't say that if he's turning the corner or anything like that. Uh, because one K, one play can be luck. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing plays being made consistently now. Even whether that just be one play week in and week out, I'm seeing growth. So hopefully we can see more out of De'ami Brown in 2022. Maybe if we pair him with his college quarterback and Sam Howe, he can actually, you know, produce like he did with Sam Howe. Um, John Bates, this is a guy that I continue to love. Three receptions for 35 yards, but it was the third and 10 conversion that had me fall in love with him with Taylor Haneke through a well-short of the sticks. And I'm not saying that it was a bad um, read by any means um, because there weren't many guys open. But that third and 10 was all John Bates, trucking dudes. Looking, looking like Chris Cooley, honestly. Looking like Chris Cooley, switch that, that four with that eight, hey, going to look like you threw a 47 back there. Like, I, I, I'm loving what I see out of John Bates. Um, I, I I think that he's a, a great building block for the future. Um, I'm kind of skeptical as how Logan Thomas is going to return. We got to remember, guys, this is the guy that tore his ACL in the middle of November. and He's about 6'7". Um, so I know like that the modern medicine and the ACL recovery and things like that I know that is it has been been Exaggerated and boosted tremendously over the course of the years But this is still a guy 260 pounds 6'7, that wasn't the most nimble athlete in the first place um, So I'm curious to see how he comes back um, But with the tight end position being a staple in the air Coryell offense Which is essentially what Scott Turner's offense is based around um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't mind, um, seeing John Bates pair with a faster tight end, a more, um, you know, joker type tight end, like a Jordan Reed mode, maybe a better blocker, um, just somebody with some speed, because while I love what John Bates brings into, to, to all facets of the game, because even with his slow behind, he, he does work up the scene, and he does have good hands and contribute in the passing game, I think he's a tremendous inline blocker, I would love to see a more dynamic athlete back there, um, at the tight um, tight end position, um, just because with the tight end position is such a staple in the Air Coryell offense. I'll probably uh, do a breakdown on the Air Coryell offense in the off season, where I'll go into more detail as to why the um, tight end position is such a staple in that offense. but if you look back, um, even going back to what the 70s and the 80s with like Kellen Winslow Senior with the Chargers, where you know it was Don Coryell um, the head coach of those teams, or even when like Cam was Cam and. P. Cam um, and the Panthers are at their high with um, Noah Turner after him. Um, Greg Greg Olson was a top five tight end in football, um, and it's just more examples of that. Um, I'll probably tie, um, touch on that in the off season, so be sure to look out for that content. Um, I already touched on the offensive line for the most part. Um, they just beat it. They just battered and bruised. Um, this is probably coming up on Brandon Scherf's last game as a Washington football team member. And I honestly don't mind that because in today's modern NFL, um, spending $18 million on a guard is a waste of a resource. Um, and while you may not get somebody as good as Brandon Scherf, you're not going to get somebody who who's $5 million worth of talent, play. Five million dollars worth to play less than like you're not you're not you're not. Well, so it may be a guy like A.J. Cannon out of Jacksonville or somebody like that whose price tag may be more reasonable. Um, so hey, I know a lot of people in the Washington Football Team community were looking at uh, we're upset that you know Ryan Kerrigan didn't get a tribute video. Um, we may be we may be looking at being upset next season uh, when Brandon Sheriff returns as a member of the God knows who's. Uh, because he's coming up on his last game as a Washington football team member, I believe. Um, over to the defense, um, Cam Curl um, played pretty well. Um, you saw where he was missed in the first Philadelphia Eagle game. Um, he had 10 tackles. Um, while Dallas Goddard still produced um, and was productive he's a good player he wasn't nearly as explosive as he was in the first game I do think he, he caught Cam out of position um, on some uh, reps on some past coverage reps and things like that but the good thing about Cam Curley is he's one of the surest tacklers in the NFL so even if he gets beat on the reception he's more than likely he's going to make the tackle and that's what he did on Sunday resulting in 10 tackles um, the second most on the team and I think he actually led the team in solo tackles Um, Cole Holcomb had 11 total tackles and I believe that he played tremendously and the reason I believe that he had to have so many tackles is because David Mayo is hot ass. David Mayo sucks and I believe that he was making up for some of what David Mayo wasn't bringing in the run game. But speaking to the linebackers, why is David Mayo playing over Jamin Davis, our 19th pick? Our 19th pick, who only played 21% of the snaps. Now, that is the concerning part. Remember last week when I asked, what is our direction? That is exactly what I'm talking about. That is exactly what I'm talking about. And I hate to be like an armchair, quarter, an armchair GM or things like that. But if you go back and look at the early episodes before the season, before training camp or anything like that, I told you guys that Damon Davis wasn't a downhill type of player. He's a ragey, sideline-to-sideline linebacker that you have to keep clean. So why are we drafting him to play middle linebacker, a position that he didn't play at Kentucky? And the most concerning part about this is he was being drafted by Jack Del Rio and Juan Rivera, two guys that play linebacker in the NFL. All that shows me is that the, the, the game has passed up these dudes. These dudes, what these dudes think the modern NFL linebacker is in today's game isn't what what, what they have imagined in their heads. Because there's no way you got guys like Pete Warner, you got Nick Bolton, I mean, forget Michael Parsons, but you have all these linebackers that were drafted behind Jamin Davis that are impact players, but you didn't see those traits. But you saw Jamin Davis run a 4-4, but you didn't watch his film. I could have told you that he wasn't a downhill linebacker or a downhill thumper, but you're going to stick him in the middle linebacker position in a 4-3 defense. What? Fundamental issues. foundational issues that I told you and that I've been pointing out since the beginning of the season. I honestly wouldn't mind if Coach Del Rio like retired at the end of the season. I know he's getting up there in age. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily like him to be fired uh, because fired is just too harsh of a word. Um, and I do think that he gave us one good season. Um, but I'm starting to think that the game might be passing him up. The off, um, the defensive calls are rather bland again this week. And I don't want to hear that you didn't have a signal caller because what is David Mayo there for? Because he's not there for his on-the-field play. So at least he could be there for, for his brain and his play calling and things like that. Uh, but your 19th pick, man. Like your 19th pick. I'm, I'm still sitting here in 2022, talking about we need a quarterback when you got jumped by the Chicago Bears to draft Justin Fields, and then you let the New England Patriots draft Mac Jones at 15. Alright foundational issues. But this is, this is what happens when you know your head coach is, you know, worried about picking team names and being the general manager and other things. Um, not much, really much more to say about the defense. I do think that Trent, uh, Kendall Fuller played well. Um, I think that we ran a lot of zone, which I think Kendall is be- that best suits Kendall. He didn't let a lot of people get behind him. Um, I think he did a pretty good job on Devontae Smith while he wasn't necessarily ch- checking him man to man, um, uh, for the most part. Um, he was keeping him in check in his zone, in his area, um, which I do think suits Kendall Fuller um best and another foundational issue you got kendall fuller was best suited in the zone scheme but then you have him playing with william jackson who's a press man corner um i think i'm gonna touch on a, a foundational issue um uh, episode um on what what is the direction of the, the washington football team in 2022 uh so be sure to look out for that content coming out soon i think i'll do that i'm um, in the coming weeks um between, you know, the end of the season and with this new name change now being announced, um, 2 tw- two twenty two, 22 So, we're about, what, T-minus 29, 28 days until we find out what the Washington football team name is. Um, I'm honestly excited, um, upset that the name Wolves and Red Wolves was ruled out. Not necessarily upset Red Wolves was ruled, um, ruled out because I do think that was kind of forced and kind of corny. Um, but I did like the alliteration of the Washington Wolves name and just the branding that could have been um, ensued behind it. Um, so be sure to be on the lookout about some name updates and things like that. Um, Joey Slott, um, just to touch on the special teams, I do think that DeAndre Carter, um, who was snubbed from the Pro Bowl, I'll be the first to say this, DeAndre Carter was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. I do think that he got his um, kick return, um, you know, juju back. Uh, I think he averaged, what, about... 27 yards per kick return um this week which is pretty good and i think we might have found our kicker for the short term um future in joey Sly. he was three for three with a 55 yarder um and speaking of nervous speaking of nervous if you guys can remember joey Sly made that kick right before halftime a freaking 55 yarder if you guys can remember at the beginning of the podcast i told you i had to go uh, participate in a field goal kicking contest at halftime right after Joey F- Sly made a freaking 55-yarder. Talk about pressure. Talk about pressure. I'm over here sweating about a five-yarder. This man over here kicking balls from midfield. I honestly like Joey Sly. I like Joey Sly. Uh, from him pulling his hamstring, trying to chase a dude down after his block kick. Like I, I-, I love what I see from Joey Sly. Um, I'm honestly liking him more than any of our kickers in recent history. Dustin Hopkins included. Because we all know what it does what Dustin Hopkins would have did with a 55-yarder. That jump probably would have hit me in the side of my head. Like, on the sideline. Um, but, I mean, it was a rather uneventful game. So, there wasn't really too much to talk about today. Um, one more game left against the New York Giants. Uh, the Toilet Bow. Yeah, we're going to call this The Toilet bow. Um, this is our bowl game um, between two shitty teams. Um, so, the toilet bowl, week 18. Um, the battle of draft position. Like, and that's what it is at this point. Um, I do hope that Terry McLaurin is able to eclipse the 1,000-yard mark. Um, but that's honestly all that I'm really looking forward to about this game. Um, not really much more to say. The season is pretty meaningless. The season is the season is shot. The 2021 season. That's a wrap for it. Uh, on to the draft, right? But this is the best time of the year for anybody in the Washington football team community. This is what we get up for any any time any, any year any year. You know, the off is where we shine. So guess what? On to our favorite part of the year, Washington football team fans. So that's it for another episode of the Bleeding B and G podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and you're not following us on our social media pages, be sure to tap into those. Our Instagram page is at Bleeding G. that's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. Our Twitter handle is a t- uh, spelled a tad bit different, that's at Bleeding and B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G, so there's only one G in our Twitter handle. Um, be sure to check us out on all podcast platforms but if you're checking us out specifically on spotify or apple music be sure to rate and review um, let's finesse these algorithms to get bleeding um, bng pushed up to the number one spot because remember our mission is to be your number one content hub for everything washington football team be sure to check out our first ever mini vlog over on youtube um, if you're checking this out on youtube be sure to like comment and subscribe um, and look for more content in the future hopefully we get this quarterback um, i signed up for another year of being a season ticket holder so hopefully i can get you some more fire behind the scenes content and we're looking for big things for bleeding bng over in 2022 our one-year anniversary is actually coming up within the next couple of weeks our one-year anniversary is actually coming up uh, for the bleeding bleeding bng podcast um, I'm actually really excited and I, and I'm thinking about doing something special for that episode. Um, so just make sure that you're tapped into the Bleeding BNG podcast. I appreciate you guys for supporting and, um, let's, 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 let's keep pulling through watching the football team fans. Let's keep pulling through. Cause like I said, our favorite time of the year is soon to come. Peace.